0: Join us on our perch at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. He's Richard. And uh, I've got a drink for you tonight, Ben. Oh, have you? What have you got? Oh, this is lovely. Um, You know all those trips that you've made to Asia? Yeah, I'm a frequent flyer to Asia. Indeed. Lychee martini is what we'll be drinking this evening. A lychee martini? For the cool and sophisticated types. You can relive your travels through Asia with this delicate lychee cocktail. See, I have a problem with the lychee. Ah, well. Very unattractive fruit, don't you think? (laughs) For this you will need... They speak very highly of you. For this (laughs) you will need ice cubes, a good shot of vodka. What what is a good shot of vodka? How much is that? I reckon it's about two inches. Two inches. Two inches of vodka, not quite so much lychee juice, about one and three-quarter inches, a splash of vermouth, and two lychees to garnish. Mm. But now here's the thing. Now you were talking about the lychee being an unattractive fruit. Yeah. It strikes me that as you raise this cocktail glass to your lips, you shouldn't gaze down because those two lychees are going to look like eyes staring up at you.
1: No, uh, no, I'm not having that. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's
0: good. It's turning my in. stomach just at the very <laughs> thought of
1: it. <laughs> You're basically being stared at by two lighties while you try and drink a martini. No, you don't want that. Um,
0: Just before you joined us, we were talking about your Swiss roll cooking equipment. What, the one I didn't buy? The one that you didn't buy. (laughs) I
1: was in a well-known... Actually, we can say it. It doesn't matter. We're not on the BBC anymore. So we can just say I was in Lakeland. Oh, nice. Buying some cooking uh, utensils. Yes. And uh, as I was browsing... Uh, I spotted a Swiss roll making pan, and uh, I nearly bought it, but then I thought, no, don't be, a, don't be a wally. It was nine ninety nine or something, so I could have made maybe ten Swiss rolls, or just gone and bought ten Swiss
0: rolls for the same price. I didn't know there was such a thing as a Swiss roll. So it's, it's a cake tin, made yeah. specifically for Swiss roll. It's been a long time since I've last Swiss rolled, but it's... it. And I lo- and I'm very partial. Well, as in, to... you made one? No, I've never made a Swiss no. roll. No, far too complicated. I think mean, they look like a right pain. But I did like confectioners' cream, not necessarily you know double cream or real cream in there, because that, that's all right, is it? Confectioners' cream, I think I was brought up on, and that had a lovely creamy, sweet taste to it, with raspberry or straw- uh, strawberry jam, um, uh, and on the outside, the, the Swiss roll would have been rolled. In sugar yeah so you get the
1: kind of crunchy eh. your swiss roll you buy it generally has a little bit of resistance in the sponge doesn't it just yes. a touch yeah and then confectioner's cream i don't think i'm familiar with that i'm i didn't is, is that sweetened not real cream oh, it, like it, out of a squirty can or
0: no 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 this would this would be um something that they made in tubs we had a wonderful local bakery um where i grew up in our village, and they, they had two or three baker's shops. Uh, but they made m- the most fantastic cakes. Everything was made at the bakery, obviously. Nothing was bought in. Uh, and and uh, a, a baker's van would, would deliver bread when I was growing up, would mm-hmm. deliver bread. So there would be a knock at the door at about 8 o'clock before we were going to school, and it would be the bread man with a basket. I, I'm painting a picture here of Miss Marple, the kind of village. <laughs> you are the, a
1: village. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing you in sort of knickerbockers, uh,
0: <laughs> little Lord Fauntleroy. Yeah, um, the tweed the door, shirt. The door would knock, <laughs> and there would be the baker with uh, uh, a basket over his arm. And oh, was Mister Baker? Uh, yes, his name was Don. Don the Baker, and he pulled back uh, the covering uh, on uh, the many wonderful. Um, uh, loaves and comestibles that he had um, secreted about himself. Well, they were in the basket. I was going to say, you don't, you don't want. To... Oh, Mr. Baker, have you got any of them sweaty donuts? Oh, hang on a minute. I'll have a look <laughs> under my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> They're particularly ripe this week. Where are your French fancies cat? And if there was nothing, <laughs> and if there was nothing in the basket that you liked, you could say, "Have you got?" And he'd say, yes, come out to the van. And you'd go out to the van, the, the double doors would be opened at the back, and these trays of wonderful cakes would, would then slide forward. He'd slide them forward, and you could choose whatever you found. Mm. And there were all these creamy things, and they always used
1: confectioner's cream. That must have been the sweetest-smelling van in the
0: history of vans. Oh, was, I, I, Indeed. Indeed. unbelievable the, the smell of, of sugar as it went away oh. as it left the area it left us which is why britain was such a peaceful place in the 1960s yeah they should they should
1: reinstate that sort of thing shouldn't they bring back that sort of thing
0: got something you want to
1: tell us email the far end of the bar at gmail.com or find us on insta twitter or facebook using the hashtag tfeotb Tell you what I found out this week. Jamie Lee Curtis, yes, well-known uh, actor, uh, beautiful lady, eh? as they would have said in nineteen seventy-six. Lovely lady. Yeah, she holds uh, a U.S. patent for a nappy with a pocket.
0: I'm just letting that sink in a moment. Tell me more. So you you have your nappy. Yes, a pretty average-looking
1: nappy, but her idea, the genius, was to add a little pocket on the side where you could place your wet wipes and the other sort of bits and bobs you you, you use when you're changing a a baby's nappy. So instead of having to have a separate bag, or you know, the most the more organised people have a basket, don't they, with all the stuff they need? You you wouldn't need it. You just have your your bag of nappies and a bag of wet wipes. And then when you finish, you tuck the wet wipes in the
0: pocket, and it's all one nice neat bundle. Well, it's, yeah, as long as it's wet wipes, I suppose. That's all right as long as it's nothing more. I mean, the great big nappy pin comes to mind—that um, great big safety pin with uh, with a coloured end, blue or pink, depending on whether it was a boy or a girl, in those days when we used to stereotype in that way. But a great whopping, great big pin that would hold together a terry towelling nappy. Um, we're not talking that. We're talking we're talking Um, The sort of thing that you would buy in their hundreds. big pack of nappies would come home and they've all got a pocket. Is that right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, But She had the patent and then um, she went to the manufacturers to say, this is a brilliant idea. I think you should buy this patent of me. But she insisted uh, that it had to be biodegradable. Good for her. The pocket or the whole nappy? Um, The whole thing. And I think this is where they ran into trouble because the... The manufacturers couldn't or didn't want to make them biodegradable because they were too expensive then. So they, it never actually took off. So they weren't ever put into production. But she did have the idea in the first. So she didn't and make the, it,
0: She didn't make any money out of this, then.
1: No, I don't think she ever did. She maybe she should try again. And no, but sometimes if you don't make them for a certain amount of time, the patent lapses, doesn't it? So maybe it's out of. Uh, out Having of time never now. had
0: a patent, uh, I'm not aware of the etiquette. Surrounding mm, think, said things. I think that's what happened. I've got a couple of other uh,
1: celebrity patents as well. Okay, this, all right. This this one's right up your street, I reckon. Francis Ford Coppola, director of The Godfather. Yes. Yeah, probably it could be said the Godfather of movie directors mm. in many ways. He invented the scratchmaster shirt. So this was a garment that you'd put on, and on the back was a graphic which diver- divided the, uh, the area of your back into quadrants. And that corresponded to a map on the front. And when you had an itchy back and you were asking your beloved or whoever to come and scratch your back for you, instead of having that awkward conversation where you say, it's just to the right of the shoulder blade, down a bit. No, no, not there, up a bit. No, no, across a bit. No, no, down a bit. <laughs> so he would just give you you'd, a quadrant to scratch. you say... Yeah, B7. Ah. And the person scratching your back would find B7, give you a good scratch, and the whole thing was over and done with in a jiffy. So he
0: basically invented this whilst playing Battleship.
1: I reckon it was a cross between Battleships and Twister. That's, uh, that's how he came up
0: with that, I reckon. Oh, that's wonderful. That shirt would have kept him, because he, he, um, he had a vineyard. He would have made more money out of the vineyard than that shirt. I would suggest.
1: Yeah, if the wine was good. But, I mean, I'd buy that shirt, wouldn't you? It'd be very no.
0: useful to have around. No, ride.
1: I would not buy... If you had, like, the measles or chicken pox or some other itch-causing
0: uh, disease. Oh, yes, but the last thing you... If you've ever had... Did you ever have the chicken pox? When I was very young, I don't right. remember the, it. What was the thing that your mother always said? Don't scratch.
1: Yeah, true. Well, in that case, you could use the shirt to say, don't scratch me there. B- oh, right. B8. <laughs> B8. Don't M- to do. B8. <laughs> um, I've got one more for you. Go on, one then. more celebrity patent. Prince. The musician. Yes. The the, the king prince. The, the, the king Don. prince. I love that man. No, what, uh, getting, what, hang on a minute. The king prince? Yeah. That's what I like to call him. Elvis was the king. Oh, I suppose Elvis was the king. All right, then. What was... um. The... uh Richard? Get, up, get on up. What was he? Get on up. Yeah. James Brown. He was the godfather he, of soul. He was a
0: bloody nuisance.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know. File <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them under that. Prince, anyway. He... Uh, and I, I have a particular appreciation for this invention because I used to play keyboards mm-hmm. in various bands in my younger days, right? And I always uh, remember well the envy I felt as I watched the guitar players striding around stage and strutting their stuff and thrusting their pelvis hither and thither as they shredded a solo and all the girls would look at them with their... Anyway, Prince thought, I want to be able to do that. He could obviously do that with a guitar. He's one mm-hmm. of the best guitar players that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Not, not often given credit for the amazing uh, ability he had, he had as a guitar player, but um, there's... Actually, if you look up online, there's a video of him playing in a kind of super group when they used to do that sort of thing uh for um george harrison when he died they did a little tribute over in the states if you check out that on youtube prince performing george harrison tribute that is one of the most amazing electric guitar solos you could ever see and he's with all these other amazing musicians and they're basically watching him with their mouths open in just bewilderment at the uh, the brilliance of the man Um, Anyway, he decided, although he could do that with a guitar, he also wanted to be able to do it with a keyboard. Mm -hmm. So he um, invented his own version of the keytar, which is the little, uh, we'll all have seen them now, the little sort of mini keyboard almost, that you can hold with a strap around your shoulder so you can play it like a guitar.
0: And it has a neck like a guitar? Yeah. He invented that? I thought, thought, those those were around uh, a long time before he came on the scene, weren't they? I couldn't establish whether he
1: invented the thing, or I think what he did was he invented a specific version of it. But he came up with, the, he definitely came up with the best name for it. Which was? Prince named it the Purple Axe. Of course. There you
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> Pub quiz. Fancy a pub quiz? I'm always up for a pub quiz. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Have another. Have another sip of that lychee martini. All right. Here, here we go then. Pub quiz. We have many, many terms to describe people who are drunk. Some say they're trolled. They've smelled the barmaid's apron. They are smashed, addled, or soused. Here are three more words that may or may not be slang for being drunk. Okay. So you have to discern whether or not these three words are fact or fiction. And the words are swattled, right. rosined, <laughs> and this is, this is my favourite, pontooned. Pontooned. Swattled, rosined, and pontooned. Are those all words that might describe someone who's drunk? I mean... Swattled, rosined, pontooned. Now do you wanna get do you wanna guess now or do you wanna wait till later? Rosin sounds like some sort of terrible injury. So I'm gonna to have to <laughs> I've been rosined.
1: Yeah. But then again, if you've been pontooned, that
0: doesn't sound comfortable,
1: does it? Oh Okay, I'll come back to them later. I'll come I'll back, let, come back I'll to muse. that later. We'll
0: do the answer to that later. The the, the words are swattled rosined and pontooned and without mm. looking them up Do they sound like words that describe people? Who are drunk. We'll come back to that a little bit later.
1: Yeah. I reckon the first one might, you know, but anyway, yeah, we'll come back to it later. How's your handwriting? Well, I'm not a doctor, so
0: it's pretty good. (laughs) See, that that joke doesn't work now, does it? Because when you get a prescription at the uh, surgery, it's all printed out. Yeah. You don't have a doctor's pad where they used to write illegible things on. I mean, it was just scrawl. And he'd hand it to the pharmacist and he'd just decipher whatever it was that the doctor had written on there. Yeah. Uh, God only knows how they managed to do that. But, of course, and that, that was funny. One of the great cartoons was uh, when the doctors went on strike and they all had placards, handwritten placards, <laughs> and no one knew why they were on strike. Which is a great, <laughs> a great cartoon. Very funny. Why, why are you asking about my handwriting? I'll tell you because um, uh, the other day um, I was writing a few things uh, down on a shopping list mm. and I picked up a ballpoint pen and I never, ever write with a ballpoint pen. The reason why goes back to my school days and to my English teacher who refused to mark anything that wasn't written with a fountain pen. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How old are you? <laughs> uh, no, well, I'm only 63. <laughs> I, you know. I'm not from the Victorian age. I was I'm not say. Bob Cratchit. I'm not scraping these things out with, with a quill. There you are in knickerbockers,
1: eating the bread delivered by the baker, <laughs> writing everything with your fancy pen from your
0: school, When I was at school, we had desks that had uh, a hole at the top of the desk where you put your ink pot, and someone was designated as the ink monitor, mm. and they would come around with a jug of ink and top up the ink well. Which is an extraordinary thing. When I went to
1: school, we we still it was a bit of a rough school, and we still had those desks with the uh, hole where the yeah, ink used but to no go. well. No ashtray, that's what it was then.
0: Uh, <laughs> but it does sound very Victorian, doesn't it? And the reason why my, my English teacher refused to mark papers that weren't um, written in fountain pen was because she she maintained that that um, yeah, a biro a ballpoint was no good for your handwriting at a time when handwriting was deemed to be important mm. you know you would have to your your handwriting would have to be legible because people would read your handwriting you know there was there were no keyboards there were typewriters of course but there were no keyboards people didn't uh, you know use tablets and keyboards and phones to write things they used a pen and paper but if if you thought that your handwriting was bad you would certainly know it was bad when it came back having been marked by the teacher who would just scribble red lines everywhere yeah great big question marks what does this mean this is illegible <laughs> I can't read this four out of ten see me later but the th- then I was thinking because somebody was saying oh I can't read what you've written here and I said of course you can't read it because I've just written it with a ballpoint all over the place and I just looked up handwriting competitions there's something called the National Schools Handwriting Competition in the UK. Um, I looked it up. It's there? A... Yeah, they list all the winners and all the age groups and not one example of their handwriting. You would have thought, they because that's like saying these people have won um, prizes in our art competition where we've asked you to do portraits and then just list their names without putting the portrait up. And then... Uh, I found something called the World Handwriting Contest 2021. This is open to everyone in the world. Can you imagine? Five billion billion people enter. That would be a problem for them, wouldn't it? Uh, If you want to enter this, go to the international headquarters of the World Handwriting Contest. There is such a thing, which you will find at 165 North Allen Street, first floor, Albany, New York, 12206. Uh, Just in case you want to go. Um, and the par- past participants are allowed to enter. So if you've been in before, you can go back again. Right. However, if you've won three times, you can't. Oh. Sling your hook. We don't want you
1: anymore. So do you get to keep the trophy then? Like if you win the World Cup three times?
0: If you're a three time winner, you, you, you get the, to keep the pen. The pen. Uh, you you have to go and dip your pen elsewhere if you want it three times the sponsors this year do they you'll insist like this.
1: on a particular type of pen
0: no not at all they they, can you, just, they uh, you can use any form of calligraphy at all any instrument as long as it's legible right sponsors this year frank smith who is a signsmith we would call him a sign writer a signsmith and a calligrapher. They, he will provide calligraphic certificates to each of the winners as a prize. Mr Ashok Batra is a lifetime triple crown winner of the World Handwriting Contest. Show off. He contributes one writing instrument, a high-quality pen of his choosing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, There's a winner? Dam Madana Gopal, a skilled calligrapher and another lifetime triple crown winner of the World Handwriting Contest, another who shot. will be contributing one writing instrument, a high-quality pen of his choosing.
1: Are they all, are they all contributing a high-quality writing instrument? Uh, I, I knew
0: you'd sense the theme here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm beginning to think uh, every, it's not worth entering, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> everyone is basically contributing a pen. Right. Apart from Sumita Bose of Melbourne, Florida, who is a friend of the contest, uh-huh. who's donated a book,
1: good for that <laughs> person. That's all it says. Don't even say what the book is. I'm just imagining going through the prizes once I've won the competition with my immensely beautiful handwriting. I'm Indeed. enjoying my calligraphic uh, certificate. Yes. Oh, look a pen. Oh, yes. look a pen. Ah, another Ooh, pen. Oh, look a pen. Oh, that's nice. A book. Oh, it's the history of pens.
0: (laughs) Shall we do the answer to the pub quiz? Yes, I've been ruminating over this. Oh, good. I like a ruminator. Mm. Um, So, my question was, there are many terms to describe people who are drunk, and the examples that I gave were trolled, smashed. Smell the barmaid's apron. Is it not sniffed the barmaid's apron? Sniffed. Sniffed. Yeah. Yes. sniff. Well, sniffed or smelled <laughs> dependent, yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. Smelling th- the
1: bar- barmaid's apron just has a different it, mental picture to it, me. It, maybe it does. Sniffing. Indeed.
0: Yes. <laughs> Here are, anyway. Three more words that may or may not be slang for being drunk. And those three words that I gave you were swattled. Yeah. Rosined. Yeah. And pontooned. Mm.
1: Okay, so Here's my theory, right? Yeah. I think the first one is a word mm-hmm. for uh, being.
0: Uh, that man sleeping. there is swattled. Yeah. I'm not serving you anymore this evening, sir. You're yeah. swattled. Yeah. And the second one was.
1: Rosined. Rosined. I think that's um, an unfortunate growth that mm-hmm. you might get uh, as a result of a particular illness.
0: Um, I'm sorry to say, sir, that you have a rosin there. Yeah. And we'll have to um, we'll have to operate.
1: And pontooned. Mm. Uh, I think you, you can pontoon, you may be pontooning, and you have pontooned. I think it's an exercise, <laughs> like, uh, like the plank. Right.
0: <laughs> it's the building of a bridge and has nothing to do with getting pie-eyed. Yeah, that,
1: that's my final answer. Just the first okay. one is a,
0: is a euphemism for being pissed. Um, well, there, there are all kinds of words to describe somebody who is, um, you know, kisky, cup sprung, having a drop of sun in the eye, nasy, quiz be queer, having a guest in the attic, or, a brick, in, or a brick in your hat. All of those are euphemisms for, for being drunk, as are swattled, rosined, and pontooned words that would describe someone Who'd had one over the eight? Really, all three of them? Yes, I I I do like having a having a guest in the attic. What is that? Or a brick <laughs> in your hat? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that great? How how did that come about? Well, who knows? Uh, I don't I don't have the derivations of those. Uh, they may be lost in the mists of time. Is um, it from
1: a particular area? I wonder. If you were in, I can't. I just can't imagine ever being in a pub and seeing Ronnie's in the corner,
0: clutching a and pint, and
1: someone says, oh, "Have you he's seen old Ronnie he, tonight?" He's got a
0: guest in the attic. <laughs> he's
1: got a guest in the attic.
0: <laughs> I think if it was Ronaldo sitting there, clutching, clutching her sherry schooner, having a drop of sun in her eye would be a lovely way to describe the poor old girl. Yeah. If she sat there nine schooners into an evening. That does have a romantic feel to it, It doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Anyway, I can't believe I only got one out of three. That's disgraceful. Yeah,
0: well, anyway, we we shall return with another pub quiz next time.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go and get absolutely pontooned. I don't blame you. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTV or email us at thefarendofthebar@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Cheers!